question, how's the fast going for you? Is fast going good? You enjoy? How many of you, this is the first time you've ever fasted for 21 days? Awesome. It's good. I, I remember one time I did a three-day water-only fast. You know, I was, I was radical, man. I mean, I was ambitious for the Lord. But I didn't seek anybody's wisdom on how to go through the fast. And so I didn't hydrate myself before I went into this three-day no-food fast. And let me tell you something. For a big fella, it takes a lot of diesel to run this truck. Okay? I go into this fast all full of pride and arrogance. I'm, I'm, I'm sacrificing for the Lord. About two days into it, I was at work climbing a ladder and almost passed out from dehydration about 20-something foot up. It could have been bad. The fast would have been so good, I went to meet the Lord. <laughs> but it's, it's been a great experience, and every fast is different. I've, I've noticed that the more I fast, the more often I do fast like this. It's just incredible. I just, you see, the, the first time it was all about what I couldn't eat, what I could eat. It was like this, you know, like your first day at school. And now it's, it's more of I've learned to relax in the fast. I've learned to hear the voice of the Lord. There's a lot of crazy things going on in my life, and, and he's just there in the midst of it all. He's working it all out. Amen? So as we continue in our series today, I want to talk to you about sacrifices. And actually, today's title for today's message is The Power of Sacrifice. Say that word with me. Say sacrifice. sacrifice. Now, I know you came to church saying that that's your favorite word, right? How many of you that's your favorite word, sacrifice? How many of you just love to sacrifice? You wake up in the morning. You say, well, pastor, that's a sacrifice. <laughs> Sometimes it is. The power of sacrifice. Look at what 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says. It says, but you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. Say chosen. chosen. You are a royal priest. Say royal priest. Look at your neighbor. I want to talk a little trash this morning. Look at your neighbor and say, you're a royal priest. Even though you might have been telling them all week they're a royal pain in the... Just tell them that you're a royal priest. Come on. Do it right. Let's just redeem all that. You're a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. Did you hear that? God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Man, isn't that good? Because of how God sees you, because the day you gave your life to Jesus, you became his. Isn't that awesome? He says, you're a holy people. You're a royal priesthood. Say, I'm royalty. I don't believe you. Say it again. You know, sometimes you need to look at yourself in the mirror and say, I'm royalty. And you know when you need to say that and you need to look in the mirror and say that is right after you've blown it. Right? Right after you've lost your cool, you hollered at the kids, you may have kicked the dog. I mean, whatever it is, you need to run to the mirror and say, I'm royalty. And you may need to say, I'm real, no, real, you're royalty. Right? Because let me tell you something, the devil's constantly pointing his finger at you, telling you you're a piece of trash. Right? He's saying, God don't love you. You're a no good Sometimes we need to point our finger back and say, you know what? No, I'm not. Because God's word says that I'm a royal priest. I'm a holy nation. I'm his own possession. 
And because of that, because of who you are in Christ, you can now show others the goodness of God. He says all these things not to make you puffed up and proud. He says these things so that you can walk with your chin up and a smile on your face knowing that I am full of life. I am full of light. I am God's own creation. I'm his possession. I'm a royal priesthood. I'm a holy nation. And when you go to work knowing who you are, then you know how you can see people. Amen? Then you know how to start treating people. Because the truth is, is if you feel good about yourself, then chances are you're going to treat other people good. Right? People that don't love themselves very seldom love anybody else. So he says, because of who you are in Christ, you can now show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. I've been preaching for some time and and 10 or 11 years now. I'm not full time, but I've been a children's pastor. I've been a youth pastor. I've been on the worship team. I've been the maintenance man and I've led Bible studies and discipled men and and the privilege I have is that I get to see people's lives change directly. Not indirectly, not, not, not from the sidelines, but I'm, I'm actually on the field with other people and get engaged with them and I'm, I'm able to see life change. And let me tell you something, that is addicting. It's addicting to see people's lives change. You know how you know when you really start loving people, when you start seeing them fall and stumble, it starts breaking your heart. When you, really, when you really love people, when they fall and they stumble maybe into sin or into something else, you don't start pointing fingers and accusations and being critical. You start hurting with them. Amen? That's the privilege that I have. I mean, and I enjoy it. Honestly, I, I love doing ministry more than I do anything else. It's really fun. I mean, if, if financially I had no issues, I'd... I say, Pastor Bubba, you don't have to pay me. I quit my job. I do this full time. I love this. It's fun. Now, there's times I want to quit. There's times I want to choke the sheep. Amen? <laughs> Any of you ever had my hand around your neck? No, I'm picking. <laughs> but I get to see destinies change. I get to see marriages restored. Foundations built in other people's lives. You know, as much as I'm called to be a minister or a a priest, in in a sense, so are you. You're called a holy or a royal priest. That's what you just confessed to everybody else around you. See, I got you. You just made a confession that I'm a a royal priest. (laughs) Sucker. Now that you confessed it, if you don't do it, you're going to get in trouble. Now I'm picking. But just as much as I'm a minister of the gospel, so are you. Amen? Because the day you gave your, your life to Jesus was the day that you became his and the day that you crucified your own selfish desires and you took up his desires and his will for your life and his desire and his will for your life is that you go and spread the good news. Amen. You go and show others the goodness of God. Sometimes it requires you 
talking to them, and sometimes it just requires you serving them. Amen? Sometimes you don't need to say anything. You don't even need to mention the name of Jesus. And you just go over there and you just be Jesus to somebody. John 15, 16 says that you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. And ordained you that you go and bear much fruit. Say this, say I'm ordained. You're an ordained minister of the gospel. Did you know that this morning? Did you know that before you got to church? Good. Whether you knew it or not, I'm glad you know it now. You're an ordained minister of the gospel. You know what that means? That means you now have a responsibility to go and share with others the goodness of God. You want to to make that real practical? That means you need to get past your own junk so you can start spreading the love and the goodness of God. Jesus didn't die on a cross just so he, you could spend your whole life, he, he could spend your whole life fixing your stuff. Amen? He's going to fix your stuff. Don't worry about that. He's going to get you right. He's going to clean you up. He's going to take care of you. He's going to bring you in and, and cause you to be righteous and all these things. But you know what? You need to step out and you need to start sharing with others the goodness of God. That means you need to sacrifice how you feel. And just do, go and do his will. Amen. So this morning we're talking about sacrifices. You say, well, Pastor, I didn't, I didn't know I was a, a preacher or a priest. I mean, what, what does that mean? Do I get an office now? Heck no, I ain't got an office. My office is my truck. That means you get a responsibility. You know what comes along with that responsibility? Great rewards. You know what else comes along with that? God's help. Because when you realize that you're a minister of the gospel, you're a royal priest, and you go to your work, and you go to the grocery store, or you stay home and you raise your family, when you do that as a priest now, when you really understand that, you do it differently. Right? You do it differently. You stop going to work wondering what you can get from work. And instead, you go to work knowing that I'm going to work as though I'm working unto the Lord and I'm going to share the goodness of God to the people that God has given me. Because let me tell you something, your workplace is your ministry field. Your grocery store is your ministry field. The place you go and get your hair cut is your ministry field for all of you who get your hair cut. That's self-ministry for me. But that's your, that's your place, that's your field, that's your region, your children, your family. Men, your, 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 your wives and your children. That's your ministry field. You need to take care of them first. Because it's one thing to go preach the gospel to somebody else and your life's a wreck. Right? And your kids are a wreck. They don't listen to you. They don't respect you. Come on. So what is a priesthood? In the Old Testament time, the priest consisted of a specific group of men who would stand before God on behalf of the people and stand before people on the behalf of God. That's what old-time, Old Testament priests were. They would stand before God on behalf of the people, for the people, and then they would stand in front of the people on behalf of God. They were the mediators between God and the people. 
Well, in New Testament times, that is us. Amen? We're that now. It's no longer for the priest. It's no longer, and this is how we believe in, in America now, that the pastor's supposed to do everything. Right? Wrong. You must not be reading your Bible. Because it says the opposite. Amen? You say, you might say, well, you know, the Old Testament priests offered sacrifices. So, so now we got to start offering sacrifices? I don't have any goats. I don't have any cows. Doug's got plenty. Young go get his cows and sacrifice them. It doesn't mean that you have to burn animals anymore, that you have to sacrifice living things anymore. It means that you now sacrifice yourself. So this morning I want to give you five points about sacrifice that we all need to know. And number one, the sacrifice of self. You need to be willing to sacrifice yourself. Say self. Romans 12.1 says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you, to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice. The kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship God. Paul is pleading with the believers. He's saying, I plead with you. Please, I beg you. Live a sacrificial life. Give your bodies in a sacrifice for the Lord. Amen? I mean, Paul's pleading with the people. And look at what he says. He says, give, give your sacrifice that you might present you, or I'm, I'm sorry. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice. Watch this. The kind he will find acceptable. <laughs> you know, sometimes we sacrifice just enough that we find it acceptable. Come on. You put your $10 bill in the offering or you, you go spend 10 minutes with somebody or you may say, yeah, I go to church and you think, oh, I made a sacrifice for the Lord. Really? Are you hearing what I'm saying? The Bible says the kind that he will find acceptable. Wow. So how do we discover if God finds that acceptable or not? I'm glad you're asking these good questions. How do you know if your sacrifice is acceptable or not? Number one, you can pray about it. And you can ask God, is this enough? Do you want me to give more? And listen, when every time God's ever led me to do something sacrificially, it's always been more than I can imagine me, myself doing in my own mind. Amen? It's always been like too much. And anytime I see myself trying to make some kind of little sacrifice for the Lord, it's always anything that I can handle. Anything that doesn't cause too much stress. Anything that doesn't cause me to be in pain or to suffer. Right? The kind of sacrifice that he finds acceptable. So number one, you have to be willing to sacrifice yourself. I mean, did not Jesus die on the cross for you? Did he not suffer? Did God not sacrifice his only son for you? Because of that, should we not sacrifice our life on this planet unto him? Right? Because you see, when you understand how long you're here for, you really get a good perspective. 
Think about that. The Bible says you're here for only a, a breath of time. It's, it's just a short amount of time. It's, it's almost like just instant. Your life on earth is like instant. Your life in eternity is forever. So that means that you have an instant amount of time to be a living sacrifice for God, to share his goodness, to be a witness. Amen? It's just a breath of time. That's why he says don't worry about all your stuff. That's why he says in Matthew to seek first my kingdom and my righteousness, and I'll add all these things to you. I'll take care of your stuff. But how, how are we? We want to take care of our stuff, and when we get all our stuff straight, then what? Then we got time for the Lord. Right? Come on. That's me. I'm guilty. I might be the only guilty one in the room, but I'm guilty. I want to get my house in order, take care of my stuff, and then go spend time with Jesus. You remember the guy that came up and said, Jesus, I want to follow after you? And Jesus said, good, come on, follow me. He said, well, let me go take care of my family first. Jesus said, oh, never mind, you ain't going to make it. He didn't get it. The thing I love about Peter and, and those guys is that when Jesus walked by the boat, he said, hey, come follow me, I'll make you fishes of men. They, the Bible says they dropped their nets and they took off with Jesus. They didn't look back. Did they mess up? Yes. Did they fall? Yes. But they got back up and they kept on going. Peter was a fisherman who became a priest. Look at your neighbor and say, there's no difference between Peter and you. Y'all both smell like fish. <laughs> Just picking. Number two, we have the sacrifice of souls. It means we need to be going after souls. Romans 15, 16 says this, Paul speaking, he says, I am a special messenger from Christ Jesus to you Gentiles. I bring you the good news so that I might present you as an acceptable offering to God, made holy by the Holy Spirit. Paul sacrificed his life to bring others back to Christ. Are you seeing this? He gave up his life. Anything that ever meant anything to him, he gave it up so that he could spend his life re reconciling people back to Jesus. And not only did he just go out and witness to people, but he actually made disciples. And he spent time with them. What was his goal according to this verse? That he would present them to God as an as a acceptable, wait, let me say it, let me read, I want to make sure I get it right. Might present you as an acceptable offering to God. That's how he saw people. That's how he saw people's souls. Amen? We got to get hungry for souls. That needs to be our priority. Amen? Listen, it, it, it doesn't matter where you work. It doesn't matter what your title is. It doesn't matter who you are or what the world calls you. What's important is who, what God calls you. Amen? That's what counts. That's what's important. Maybe if we'll spend a little more time in, 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 not trying to climb the corporate ladder and being successful in the world's eyes and spend more time being successful in God's eyes, then maybe he'll take care of everything else we've ever wanted. Maybe we'll start winning some souls to Christ. Amen? Listen, I'm preaching to myself. I want to be successful in business. I have a great ambition to do that. I want to be very successful. I want to make a ton of money. Can I just be honest with you? I do. I work hard. 
to make money. But I get constantly reminded that I'm not working as hard to win souls. I'm not working as hard to build the kingdom of God. I'm not sacrificing enough. Every time I think that I've sacrificed enough, the Lord goes, really? (laughs) Then I usually get rebuked for pride and arrogance and you know what I'm saying. I mean, Cheryl and I packed our bags up two weeks after the Lord said to move here. We packed our bags up, put our house up for sale, and took off. You know what I thought in my mind? We're good. We've made our living sacrifice. We did it, baby. We're good. I mean, we can spend the next 40, 50 years Cadillacing through the kingdom because we made a sacrifice. Woo! I got mine over quick. You know, it's like when you used to finish your test before everybody else. You know what you do in school? You start kicking their desk. Come on, you're not done yet? Oh, what's up? It's taking you so long. You didn't study? I study. That was never my case. I never got rebuked for that. But I thought we were good. I said, man, we're good. We don't have to sacrifice anything else. Can I tell you something? It hadn't stopped. It was just the beginning. I was a fool. Can I just be honest with you? I was a fool thinking that once I sacrificed, that was it. I was done. I daily have to sacrifice. Amen? I daily have to lay my life down and take up his cross. Because there's a lot of flesh right here that wants to rise up. I mean, you might be dealing with 150 pounds of flesh. I'm dealing with, I ain't going to tell you, but it's a lot. Are you hearing me? I mean, I'm like fighting three people. You're fighting one. You feel sorry for me yet? I didn't think so. So number one, sacrifice of the self, of, of yourself. Number two, sacrifice of souls. Number three, the sacrifice of your stuff. Just say that. Say stuff. No, we all got stuff, right? We, we spend most of our time chasing stuff. I had a, I had a, a, a couple of hours after work the other day that I kind of got off early, so I wanted to go look at stuff at the store. So I went to Lowe's and to the man area, and I was in the lumber, and the, I want to build this wharf. I'm looking at big old timbers and all this stuff, and I was just building myself up and had visions of my stuff. Then I went to Tractor Supply, and I figured out how I'm going to make this, and I'm going to make that with all the goodies they got. And, I didn't have no money, but it was like, Grrr. But we get involved with stuff, don't we? We get wrapped up in stuff, and it's easy. Can I just be honest? It's easy. Listen, you want to know the devil I fight? Is that my daddy was a junk collector. I'm serious. When my dad moved down here, it took us three weeks to get his stuff down here. And he put it all in the storage building. It was junk. And he was paying rent on it. Think about that, paying rent for junk. I got to fight that devil. I got to honestly, I got to push things aside because sometimes I see junk and I see the treasure in it. And I go, ooh, I could do something with that. And then. Thank God something kicks in and goes, no, you ain't got time. It's probably my wife's voice. Just, you ain't bringing that to the house. I remember we cleaned out my father-in-law's stuff. He, he was slowing down a little bit and we went to his house. And, man, he had some junk too. And me and brother-in-law, we started cleaning it out. And, and my father-in-law was sitting on the back steps and he was just kind of like this. And I said, I said, Pop, what's wrong? You're getting rid of all my treasures. 
He had a lot invested in his stuff. He took pride in his stuff. Are you hearing me? There's nothing wrong with having stuff. It's just don't let the stuff become an idol. Don't let your stuff get in the way. Amen? Don't put your stuff before God. Your stuff might be your business. Come on. Your stuff might be your hobbies. I know people that miss tons of church this time of the year. You know why? Chasing an animal with a white tail. Or a bird with some feathers. And I'm going, come on, man. How are you going to explain that to God? When you get to heaven. So, son, what would you do with the time I gave you? Oh, man, I did lots of great things. I often went out in the woods and prayed and fasted. And if an animal happened to come by, I shot it. And, you know, I gave the poor lady down the street some of the meat just to make me feel better. And you know what I'm saying. Come on. We get, we get wrapped up in our stuff. Let's see what the Bible says about stuff. You want to know? You sure? Philippians 4.18 says, at the moment, this is Paul speaking, he says, at the moment I have all I need and more. I am generously supplied with the gifts you sent me from Epaphroditus. They are a sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. The church of, of Philippians was supporting Paul's ministry. They were giving their stuff away so that Paul could keep on building the church of Jesus Christ. Are you hearing me? They were giving sacrificially to Paul to make sure all his needs were met. Listen, Paul wasn't a full-time preacher. He didn't get a paycheck from the church. Paul was actually a tent maker. But when you read in the Bible, you don't read the Apostle Paul, the tent maker, do you? You read the Apostle Paul. His real title was the Apostle. And he relied on other people to do the work of the ministry from their support. You remember in Acts chapter 4 when the, when the first church was started. The Bible says that all these new believers, remember Peter got up, they were all praying in tongues, everybody thought they was drunk and all this stuff. And Peter gets up and he preaches a message and how many people came to Christ? 3,000 souls were saved in that moment. You know what happened to those 3,000 souls? They went out and they started winning other souls, but they also came together and they made a community. And they would start meeting from house to house, and they would start breaking bread together. In other words, they bust out the gravies and the rice, and the, you know what I'm saying? And they started eating together, and they started discussing the, the apostles' teachings. They were having Bible studies, and they were meeting every night. They were just from house to house. And then you see later on where it says, then, then they, they got so united, and they built such a great community that nobody was lacking anything. There wasn't a poor person in their midst. You know why? Because they realized that this Jesus Christ, this ministry that he's given us, what he's done for us is so much bigger than our stuff. That you know what? And it's, it's like he was in this room and he would say, you know what? If you need something, listen, listen, guys. I mean, they loved each other so much. Listen, whatever I got is yours. This is what I got. If you need it, you come and get it. Right? And the Bible says that nobody was lacking anything. Man, if, if, if we would just get that, 
these 60 adults or so that are here this morning, if we would just get that, that we're supposed to have such a great community. We're supposed to be so united that our stuff doesn't matter. Right? You know what that means? You know what these people, these people didn't have pride. They didn't have arrogance. There was no jealousy. Come on. There was no envy, no strife. The Bible says they had unity. And I guarantee you God's heart was pleased by the community they had. Because their stuff didn't matter. We all want to protect our stuff. That's the thing about getting stuff is that you tend to want to protect it. Right? You tend to want to defend it. You don't want nobody to come take it. You'll give it to them if they ask, but if they come over and they want to take it, right? I'll share a story with you. A couple Sundays ago, I was laying on the hammock back before the flood came, and I was laying on the hammock and just about to go into the presence of the Holy Spirit. I mean, it was, it was like deep. Okay, I was really by, and I've been longing to take a good nap on my hammock. But there's always kids around. All right, and, and I got 18 acres, and they're going to play in my little square foot. All right? And so, man, I'm about to go off into Never Never Land, and Ethan comes running and goes, Dad, got some guys coming on horses. I was like, huh? He said, no, they're coming on horses. They're, in, they're back there behind the pond. So, man, I sat up and I looked, and I see two guys riding horses on my property. This is my property, my 18 acres. Not only did you mess up my nap, but now you're on my property. Can I be honest with you? Something rose up inside of me. I mean, I was ready to fight. It's Sunday afternoon, baby. The anointing was gone. I preached the anointing out. So it was like, I'm, I'm, I'm back in the flesh, Jack. Can I just be real? So these guys, they come and then they get up on my levee on top of my, by my pond. I'm like, man. And then they start coming right at me. I'm like, man, y'all got some nerve. And so I got stood up and I had, I ain't going to tell you what I had on, but. It, I was clothed, but it wasn't appropriate. But I, I was clothed. I was, I was in my own land. And so I stand up. I'm like, what's up, man? Uh, Pastor Jamie went out the window. I'm just going to tell you, what's up, bro? Hey, hey, uh, sir. I'm like, sir, I'm as old as you are. I didn't say that. I let him believe I was older. And I was like, what's up, man? What y'all doing? Oh, man, we, we were riding on the road, but the traffic got too bad, so we thought we was going to come down this right away. I said, yeah, you can't make it down that right away. Yeah, and I said, and, and, and they got people shooting right there, too. I says, you need to be careful. Can we, can we go this way and finish through the right way? Nope, water's too deep. Okay. All right, man, y'all have a good time. And they, they rode off my, I wanted to defend my stuff. Can I tell you, that might have been an opportunity to witness the two guys, but I blew it. I'm thinking, Lord, next time send them in the front, okay, not in the back. I do better, Lord, when they come from the front. Let them come down the driveway, and then that means that they're, they're not trying to sneak around the back. So the whole night I had visions of putting fences up and defending my property. and I got wrapped up in my stuff. Amen? And I missed a good opportunity to share. And these guys, they, I guess the people in the neighborhood know we preachers or something. He's like, yeah, you, you're a preacher, right? I was like, <laughs> isn't that ironic? I said, yeah, but in Eunice. <laughs> Not a preacher in Crowley, buddy. <laughs> Got my territory straight. We've got to be willing to sacrifice our stuff. 
You know, when you give away your stuff and your stuff doesn't mean anything to you anymore, not to say that you don't take care of it and you all of a sudden become lazy with your stuff and you're not a good steward of it anymore. You got to be wise with your stuff. Amen. Because there's suckers all over the place. Right? There really are. People that are professional at trying to get money out of you. But you got to be wise with your stuff. But you got to be willing to let it go whenever the Lord says, let it go. Whenever he says, go bless so-and-so. Or somebody in church says, hey, man, you know, or you find out somebody has a need. Are you willing to go and give of your stuff? You got two cars and the, the single lady with three kids, her only car broke down. Are you willing to give your car up? I saw a great example last year of Pastor Jacob. He was coming to meet us for lunch, and we were, we were getting ready to eat, and we were waiting for him, and he, it, it was taking him forever, and he comes walking. We seen him walking down the road. We're like, what happened to his car? So he comes in and goes, man of God, I had to give my car up. I was like, you got carjacked? I mean, what happened? He said, no, this, this young lady in front of me, her car ran out of gas. He said, so I didn't know her. I just gave her the keys to my car. I said, look, come back over here and give me. He said, but don't steal my car. And so he gave her his car, and she went and got some gasoline and came back and put gas in her car, and, and then she came into the restaurant and gave him his keys. And, but listen to what happened. She was blown away. And he would just say, take my Suburban. I would be willing to bet she's in his church. I'd be willing to bet somebody's investing into her life. Why? Because he was willing to get rid of his stuff. Man, you never know what your sacrifice is going to turn into. You never know. And sometimes the ones that seem the silliest and the simplest can be the biggest. Amen? Something that's small to you might be big to somebody else. So be willing to sacrifice your stuff. Number four, the sacrifice of song. Hebrews 13, 15. Therefore, let us offer through Jesus a, a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. You need to have a song in your heart. Listen, you may not be able to sing like me. I can carry a tune just because I'm strong. Easy. I think I can sing a little bit. It sounds good in the shower and in my truck. Okay? But there's always a song in my heart. I'm always singing or humming something. Are you hearing me? And, and we need to be sacrificial in knowing that, you know what? There needs to be a continual song in my heart. There needs to be some, a word of praise on my lips. Amen? Ready to tell Jesus how good he is. We should constantly, it shouldn't just be a, an, an orchestrated, ordained time that you just come and worship. This shouldn't be your only worship experience for the week. We tell all of our worship teams, it's the, we don't want you to show up and start worshiping on Sunday. We want you to show up Sunday and just keep doing what you've been doing all week. That's what we tell our worship teams. Don't come and start it on Sunday at 10 o'clock. Come continuing what you've already been doing. There needs to be a sacrifice of song. You need to be willing to sing about God. You need to be willing to have a song of praise on your heart. You need to be willing to share his good news. And to tell others about Jesus. When you go to the grocery store, there should be a song in your heart. You should go in there on purpose. Amen? 
Not just the food purpose. Like many of us is going to be when the fast breaks, right? We're going grocery shopping. I'm going to tell you right now. Anyway. But you need to have a purpose. You need to have an intention for whenever you go to work. There needs to be a song on your heart. Number five, there needs to be a sacrifice of service. Watch this verse in Hebrews. It says, and do not forget to do good and share with those in in need. These are the sacrifices that please God. Man, isn't that simple? I said, isn't that simple? Don't forget to do good and to help those who are in need. Don't forget that. You know what he's saying? Don't let life get so complicated that you just simply forget to be good, to do good, and to help those that are in need. Have you gotten too busy to help others? Have you gotten too big to help others? I'll tell you what I constantly have to fight is that as I move up in ministry, so to say, that I'm, I'm now exempt from going and help somebody clean a toilet or fix a toilet or fix a leak under their house. There's a tendency inside of me that, that wants to say, well, we got people to do that. You follow me? But let me tell you something. God doesn't see it that way. He sees that as big boy, you can fix that pipe, go fix that pipe. You can lift that toilet, go lift that toilet. He's had me on a furniture moving ministry for a long time. And when I get to heaven, I'm getting a brand new back. It's great to be big, but people love to move furniture. (laughs) But it's a ministry. These are the sacrifices that please God. I want to show you something in 2 Kings chapter 3, and then we'll wrap this up. Go with me to 2 Kings chapter 3. You learning something yet? You ready to start sacrificing? One of you. Good. I've got 10 more minutes to change your mind. <clears throat> Second Kings chapter 3, I'm going to give you the Reader's Digest version of the first half of the story. But these kings are fighting, and this one king from Moab, uh, his name was, um, you know these names, King Mesha of, of Moab. He used to give the king 100,000 sheep and 100,000 bundles of wool from rams every year as an offering to the king of Israel, okay? And then all of a sudden, there's a new king of Israel, and this guy, he just stops, and he becomes an enemy of this king. So this king says, okay, well, then we're going to attack you. So he gets two or three of the other kings in the region, and they join their forces, and they take off, and they, they're marching to go attack this king of Moab. And they get seven days into the journey, and, and they're, they don't have enough water, and, and their animals are dying, and and they're like, man, did the Lord bring us out here to die to Moab? And, and then they asked for Elisha. And he came and he prayed and, and the Lord brought water the next morning. Never rained, never nothing. And they had more than enough water to, to quench themselves. And so they go. And, and that morning when they wake up and there's water in the valleys next to them that came from nowhere. It's only from God. The, the Moabites, or, or Mesha and his army, was on the other side of that water. And when they woke up that morning, the, the, the Bible says the sun was shining and put a glare, and it made the water look like blood. And they said, well, surely these kings started fighting amongst themselves, and they're all dead. Let's go get their plunder. In other words, let's go get their goods. Let's go get the scraps. 
And so they take off to go get the scraps, and that wasn't true. And so the king and the other two kings, they attack the Moabites, and they start driving them back to their own city. And they get back to the city, and, and I mean, they're just destroying these people. They're destroying the land. They're destroying everything around them. And then all of a sudden, Mesha, he gets about 700 of his swordsmen, and he says, we're going to make one last burst at this, and we're going to try to break through the enemy lines. And so they take off like a bunch of banshees, and they go after the, the, the king of Israel and his army, and they start dying. They're losing. And their back's against the wall, and it's about to be over with. And the king Mesha takes his oldest son. Watch his sacrifice. He takes his oldest son who was next in line to be king. And he puts him on a wall, basically ties him to a wall as a sacrifice. And the, and, and the kings of Israel kill him. And then they leave. And King Mesha sacrificed his son to save what people he had left. You see what I'm saying? He loved his people so much that he sacrificed his son to spare his people. How far are you willing to sacrifice? How much are you willing to give up? Are you willing to maybe spare your reputation a little bit? Are you willing to tarnish what people might be saying about you or or maybe what you think people think about you because they probably don't think that good about you, right? I mean, you know the truth. Everybody talks behind your back. And it's not all the glorious things you ever want to hear, right? Are you willing to put your reputation on the line at work, at the grocery store, at the doctor's office? Are you willing? You get sick, are you willing to look at the doctor and say, I believe God's going to heal me? Hmm? Are you willing to give away your stuff? Are you willing to have a song on your heart? Are you willing to sacrifice and serve others? That's the real question. Amen? Romans 12.1, I want to go back to that verse. You need to memorize this verse, by the way. I'll read it to you how I have it memorized. In the New King James, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. This is your reasonable act of worship. You want to know how you worship God? You lay your life down. It's one thing to sing to God. It's one thing to to get in church and raise your hands. and, And those things are great, and I love them. But you know what? From God's perspective, you know what he really loves? People that are willing to lay down their lives. People like in Acts 4 that say, you know what? My stuff doesn't belong to me. It belongs to God. He just gave it to me to distribute it. So here we go. What do you need? That, the Bible says, is a reasonable act of worship. That's how you really worship God, is when you give your life up for him. Amen? Can we do that as a church? Can you stand with me this morning? You may be here this morning and know what this message man nailed you right between the eyes. God's word is sharper than a double-edged sword to pierce even the hardest hearts. If that's you this morning and you realize that, you know what, I haven't been sacrificing. I haven't been given all that I can give. I haven't laid my life down. Let me give you the good news. It's not too late.
Look at your neighbor and say, it's not too late. You still got breath in your lungs. You still got days ahead of you. You still got today. Sacrifice. Give up something. Go tell somebody the good news of Jesus, no matter what they might think about you. Is it scary sometimes? Yes, it is. Amen? So if you need to repent this morning, just repent right there where you're at. If you need to come to the front and do that, that's up to you. But let's just get it right. Can we do that? Can we just get it right this morning? Can we? (coughs) Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for Jesus, the ultimate sacrifice. Lord, his body was beaten and torn and spit upon and cursed at. He was cast down and thrown down and whipped and, Father, just ridiculed, Lord, for my behalf. He went to the cross, even in the garden. He he said, Lord, can you take this cup from me? But he understood and he realized that he needed to take the cup and he needed to bear it. And he needed to give his life up. Thank you, Lord, that Jesus' his, 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 his reputation didn't mean anything. It wasn't the most important thing in his life. It didn't matter what people thought about him. It only mattered what you thought about him. So, God, we praise you this morning. We declare your goodness, and we thank you for your goodness and your grace and your mercy upon us. Lord, I just pray Romans 12, 1 over this church. That we would give our lives as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to you, God. That we would be that kind of a church, Lord, that our stuff doesn't matter. It doesn't mean anything to us. We know that it's just a tool, it's an instrument to share your goodness, Lord. That, Father, the song in our heart would be praise unto you, Lord, all day long. That, Father, we would sacrifice ourselves and we would chase after souls, Lord. And that, Father, we give our lives in the service. Thank you that every one of us here is a priest, Lord. And we have a responsibility. So we bless you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I love you. God bless you. Go home and pray about it. Lord, how do you want me to sacrifice? What do you want me to give up? Be a great priest this week. Amen. Give somebody a hug or a high five. Tell them you love them.